Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, we've been in the middle of a series that we titled All In as a church, and I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, as much as I have, but uh, the series was really birthed out of a, a burden that I felt as a, as a pastor, um, as, uh, uh, as, a, as a spiritual leader, and really as a Christian. When I kind of surveyed the global landscape of the body of Christ, I see that a lot, of, a lot of people put a big emphasis on buying into Christianity without selling out. And Jesus never called us to pray a prayer and become a convert to Christianity. Okay? You, in fact, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and Peter gets up and preaches his, his guts out in, the, in his first big sermon, uh, there's actually no prayer. It's just repent and be baptized and become a sold-out follower of Christ. And that's, what they hap- that's what, exactly what happened. And so my heartbeat is that we are a church that stands on that. Praying a prayer is a great first step, and I, I, I believe, and we'll, we'll pray a prayer, and if you came here today and you feel like you're in a place in life where you need to give your life to Christ, I'm going to be honored to give you an opportunity to do that today, and we'll stand with you, and you'll take that step. Maybe you've taken that step before, and you're coming back to Christ, or you're taking it for the first time. Uh, we're going to be honored to walk with you through that, but there's a, there's a turning, there's a returning that's happening uh, globally, and I don't even think sometimes we realize it because you look at the world and it's total madness right now. You know, I told my buddy the other day. I said I was driving down the road and I said I would not be surprised if I saw a pig fly by my car right now. Like it's the world's going crazy, and you know, with every day, I don't mind the baby crying, bro. I got five of them, so it doesn't it doesn't shake me up at all. It does it doesn't bother me at all. But. Um, uh, b- people are turning to Christ in droves. In fact, uh, st- st- statistically, uh, since 1970, more people have come to Christ in the last 50 years than all of previous history. So Jesus, Jesus' followers have been around for 2,000 years. If you combine all the previous, go back before 1970, combine them all up, it's not even as many as have come to Christ in the last 50 years. So people are praying for revival and we're praying for a move of God. But I'm telling you, we're in revival. And people are coming to Christ. People are coming back to Christ. People that have been raised in church every week. I'm talking to numerous people where it's like they were raised in church or they had some sort of upbringing or they kind of had a relationship with God at some point, And they're like, man, I really feel like I need to get my life right with Christ. What is that? That's the spirit of God drawing people. And I'm believing that it's going to just blow up in a good way uh, here at Authentic Church. And um, the harvest is plentiful. And, and the laborers, we're here. Okay, and the laborers are going to grow. So I'm going to be calling on you to help grow uh, what God is bringing in here. I'm going to be calling on you to be baptizing people. Okay, if you're a believer in the Lord and you've been ba- you've been baptized and uh, you've been saved longer than than the guy that's getting baptized, so you can go and baptize that guy. I remember when I was uh, newly saved, I was just radical on fire. My parents thought I was in a cult. They thought, man, Jeff lost his mind. My uncle's a priest. Okay, so like Irish Catholic family, like. Big time. My dad, his name's Patrick, and he was born on, you guessed it, St. Patrick's Day, okay? No joke. And so Irish Catholic family, and I give my life to Jesus, and my parents are like, 
oh my goodness, he's lost his mind. And my dad calls my aunt, my uncle, the priest, and he's telling him, and he's expecting, he's expecting his brother, who's the priest, to be in his corner and be like, we need to rescue Jeff. And the priest, my uncle Maury, he just said, Pat, calm down. Is Jeff growing in God? My dad's like, well, yeah, but I, 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 he's like, well, Pat, if he's growing in God, then what do you care? Calm down. It'll work itself out, you know. And God got a hold of my life, and, and I was transformed and been living for Jesus now for 20 years. Um, I was a sing, yeah. And, 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 I've ne- and I've never walked away from God. I, I was so rescued. I was, I was a single dad at the time, uh, 20 years old, wasn't pretty, I wasn't married, and here I am with a daughter, trying to put my life together at 20 years old. Do you remember what you were doing at 20? <laughs> Some of you in this room, could you imagine having a baby at 20? Yeah, it was a mess, you know? And, and I went to some churches, and I'll be honest, you know, some nice people, but I kind of walked in the building and felt a little bit of a social stiff arm, you know? And it's like, what, what is it? Nobody wants to, like, talk to me, you know? Like, what, do I stink? What's going on, you know? Do I got a hanger? What's going on, you know? And then I walked into one church, and the pastor, man, he treated me like a son. I walked in with my daughter, and I'm, I'm, I kind of was waiting for it. Do you ever have a chip on your shoulder in life, and you're kind of, I know how y'all are. I know how you people are, right? You kind of walk in with that chip. And man, he, he just was one of the warmest, loving, kindest guys. And he brought me in and treated me like a son. I had no idea anything. I tried to pretend like I was cool and I knew all the stuff. They'd say, turn to the book of Matthew, and I'd be like, yeah, and I'm over here in Genesis, like, you know what I'm trying, like, peeking on the guy next to me, trying to figure out where I'm going, you know, and he treated me like a son, and that relationship transformed my life, and, and I just thought, man, I'll spend the rest of my life doing for somebody else with that church, with that pastor. did. That's a heartbeat for us at Authentic, is that we have a simple mission. It's not complicated. Love God, love people, and live authentic. The world doesn't need fake, okay? The world doesn't need the us that we try to pretend we are on Instagram, okay? The world, the world needs the real you. There's a calling that God has on your life, something special. And I believe that he's stirring a passion up inside of people to return to him. In the book of Joel, um, there's a great passage there. Joel says, it says this, even now, in Joel 2.12, it says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me. Return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And the beautiful thing is that when you do that, verse 25, he's going to give you back what you lost. Sometimes when you spend time in the world, you, you, you lose some of that. You lose some of that innocence. You lose. Sometimes you can think, man, I was gifted, I was called, but I kind of threw it away. And God's like, nope. My gifts, my calling, that's, that's irrevocable. That's coming back. I put that in you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I got a plan for your life. I put that inside of you. The world can't take that away from you. And you come back to Christ and he starts to stir those things up. And from my heart, I, I want to I, I live passionately for God. I don't want to be like the, the lukewarm Christianity doesn't do it for me. Sure, we've all had seasons where we were maybe more excited or on fire than others, but that's natural. That's in any relationship. So don't be surprised if that happens from time to time in your relationship with God. 
My wife and I, we've been married to each other now for 18 years. And we've had some days where we burned a little bit more on fire for each other, okay? And we had other days where it was a little bit like, I don't know if I like you right now, but I know I'm commanded to love you, you know? It was more so, it was her choosing to, to love me because of something probably stupid I did. But, but that's relationship. You're going to have times like that with God. But I'm praying that there's going to be a fire. There's going to be a passion. There's going to be something deep inside of you where you're, you're just longing for the things of God. Jesus doesn't want you to go through the motions. He doesn't want us to just show up and have church on a Sunday morning, have a cup of coffee, say hi to some friends, eat a donut. Man, wasn't that good? And go on about our week. No. He wants, he wants to meet with you. Our, our heartbeat is that if you've encountered God here, that a, that a corporate encounter with God would lead you to personal encounters with God all throughout your week. In, in my mind, it was a win for the day if I had a, an encounter with God. Like, man, did, did I just read my Bible or did I read the Word and did I let the Bible kind of read me where I'm, what I'm going through in life? Did I listen or did I just talk to God in prayer, do all these things like a genie in a lamp, and then walk away, not even taking a moment just to wait, pause, reflect, listen, that passion. And Jesus says this in Matthew 15, verse 8 through 9. He says, there's going to be people that honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely just a bunch of human rules. Jesus wants your heart. He wants our hearts today. He wants, he wants that passion, that fire. He, he, he wants that. And as a Christian, as a husband, as a pastor, I, 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 I want to I be passionate and, and I know what it's like, you know, different times you go through in life, sometimes it's like, where do I get that fire? Like, I, I want that. I want that fire. There's a song that we sing sometimes here called Fresh Fire. And it's like, I want that fire. I want that fire. How do you get that fire? Well, I believe that today, I'm, I'm going to share some things, but I, I really feel like there's four key areas that God highlighted, kind of put his, his holy finger on as I was preparing and praying into the message this weekend, that I believe the Lord wants us to turn up the passion a little bit. So if, you, if you're taking notes, you can feel free to write these down. If you're not taking notes, uh, I encourage you to still write these down. Okay, so <laughs> a dull pencil is better than a sharp mind. Uh, the first area of passion is I believe the Lord wants to stir us up in a passion for prayer. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 21, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And when he made that statement, if you go back, he actually made a whip. He sat over on the side, and all these people are going about doing their churchy church stuff, and they're buying and selling, and they're selling doves to give an offering, and they're doing this, and they're making money off of people, and blah, blah, blah. And he's over there in the corner just making a whip, and, he, and it's just rising up inside of him. And a lot of people don't look at Jesus this way, but brother got mad like Jesus was intense in this moment right and he makes this whip and he goes and he kicks and he turns the tables over and he says get out of here he says my house will be called the house of prayer and I believe that there's a fervency that's going to rise up inside of us that's going to our, our, our Sunday mornings and our prayer times together and our personal prayer times it's going to grow in that in that intensity that fervency James 5 16 says the effective Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Fervency is to have a, a passionate intensity, okay? And a lot of times we think of prayer 
and me growing up, I'll throw myself under the bus here, but me growing up, you know, growing up Catholic, it was like, raise your voice in church. They'd be like, shh, we're praying, we're praying, you know. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know. They're over there kneeling, you know, and doing these things. And sometimes we think a prayer is like this quiet, somber, just me and God. But when you look at the New Testament church and all throughout the Bible, man, prayer, it was loud. It was passionate. You know, the, the Chargers are starting their, their uh, preseason camp just literally across the road, down the street, off Fairview, right? And, and that stadium, SoFi Stadium, is going to be filled every single Sunday between them and the Rams. And people are going to be losing their minds over a pigskin going back and forth, right? They're going to go, they're going to paint themselves. They're going to be dancing and shouting and screaming and singing and doing everything else. And that's, that's a picture of actually what the New Testament church was like when they had prayer meetings, okay? So when we get together, I want to encourage us. I'm, I'm, I'm stirring, I'm, I'm kind of fanning a into flame, a little bit of a fire inside of us. Let's lift our voices. Let's have some fervency. I remember going to a prayer meeting one time when I was newly saved, and and you know, there this like you, you pray in a circle. And by the way, if you ever find yourself in like one of them prayer circles, go first. Because if you're last, dude, all the good stuff got prayed for, right? And you're like going, you're going, ah, how do I beat that, right? And I remember, you know, I'm I'm new, and I'm 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 I was pretty, as you can imagine. I know you couldn't couldn't picture it, but I was I'm kind of a loud guy, and and so I'm I'm all excited, man, new Christian, God set me free, man. I'm just radical, you know, for Jesus, and and I'm stoked, and we're praying, and in the prayer circle, this one guy goes, "I have a prayer," and it's like, okay. I'm like, "Yeah, what are we praying for, bro?" And he goes, "Unmentionable." What's that? Wait, what? It's unspoken prayer. I, I'm like, looking back, I'm like, bro, that's the problem. Like, you need to speak it. You need to, you know, Jesus didn't say, when you pray, think. No, he said, when you pray, say, speak, open your mouth, start talking to God, raise your voice a little bit. I remember when I was newly saved and I'd be driving down the road and, and you know, I, I, I had impure thoughts and lustful thought would hit my brain and, and some things that I'd done in my past and I'd literally roll down my window. Remember, it was before you had the push button. It was like, I'm rolling down the window. I'd be like, Satan, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. I would literally lift my voice and I'd scream it out my window like a crazy man. But just even in that moment, just doing that thing, it like, man, it stirs something up inside of you where you feel like, man, come on. You know, bring it, brother, you know. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? You know, like, it just stirs inside of you, you know. Sometimes you need to, you need to lift your voice. You know, and is there a time where it's like, yeah, be quiet, be still, and know that I am God? Yes, I know that scripture. That's great. Okay, but, but that's just like one scripture. There's so many more scriptures. The place that they prayed in, the New Testament church, it was shaking, okay? They, 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 they were praying so loudly on the day of Pentecost that people were like, what in the world? Is there a bunch of drunk people over there? What are they doing? They're like, we're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. God has showed up. It's like, whoa, man. Fervency, prayer, the opposite of fervency is being apathetic, which is showing no interest, no enthusiasm, no concern. Sometimes in my prayer time, 
I need to speak to Jeff. I, don't, I need to get out of my head. And sometimes you just got to lift your voice and say, God, I don't know what's going on right now, but I trust you. I believe in you, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit coming and filling me today. God, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in faith today. I don't know what I'm doing, but I need you to speak. Sometimes you just, and as you speak that, it's amazing how the atmosphere begins to change in your life. So passion for prayer. So what do you do if the, if the fire's gone out? Maybe, you, maybe you're new to prayer. Or maybe you once had an awesome prayer life, and it's kind of barely flickering. The best thing you can do is you make prayer our first response, not the last resort. A lot of people are like, man, we did all we could do. I guess now we'll pray. That's a problem, <laughs> right? We look back and it's like, yeah, I don't know why, I don't know why we did that. We should have prayed first. And then, like we always notice a difference here when we pray first together before setting up. Um, here when we set up church in the morning or have worship practice or whatever, we always notice the difference when we pray first. <laughs> Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. I, uh, we were praying in here with the intercessors on Wednesday night, every Wednesday night, when we're not having the pursuit nights, the, the prayer and worship night that we're going to have the first Wednesday of the month. Um, on the other nights, there's worship practice in here, but we always start out with intercessory prayer. And so the intercessors will gather together and pray, and a few weeks ago, we're praying, and, and, and this woman walks in, and she says, uh, hey, pastor, I have a word of the Lord for you. And I've learned that can be really good or it could be really bad. <laughs> when somebody walks in and says, I have a word of the Lord for you. Okay, hope this is good. And she comes walking up, and, and I didn't recognize her at first, but then I recognized her. We met her like a year ago with some of the beach revival stuff that we were a part of, and and, uh, and she's literally like shaking and I'm like, how did you even know we were here? Like nobody knows we're here. She goes, I felt like God told me that you were going to be here. And I just came. And she comes walking in and she says, she says this, she says, because this has been a house of prayer, that you've built authentic churches, a house of prayer, God says I'm going to turn it into a house of healing and a house of miracles. So that song that we sang today, this is a house of miracles, that's like an anthem that hit our spirits, and in fact, it was that week we ended up introducing that song for the very first time, and it coincided, and she didn't even know that we were going to plan to sing that song and anything else, and she just came walking in. It's just incredible. So I'm believing that as we continue to pray, God's going to show up, and as you continue to pray, I believe God's going to meet with you, and he's going to take you from a, a corporate encounter like this to personal encounters with him. Amen? The second area that I feel like we need to turn our passion up in is passion for praise in worship, passion for praise and worship. It's funny, when I got saved, um, the praise and worship stuff, I thought that was so weird. I'll be honest with you. Like, I would, I, 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 met, I mentioned that pastor that treated me like a son. What I didn't tell you is that I would come in when I knew he was going to be speaking because the worship, man, it just went so long. I was like, man, can you guys, can we finish, can we wrap up? Man, I'm ready for lunch, you know? And, and so I, I, th I just thought it was weird to me, right? I mean, I grew up Catholic. We'd seen like half a song, man. And at that, it was like, you know, you know, barely, you know, small decibels, right? Low decibels. And to see people passionate and excited about God, that was kind of bizarre to me. To see y'all excited and raising your hands and everything. It was weird until I read in the Bible that that actually, that God... That's, that's what worship was. And everything else that you see in this world is a counterfeit. So I would walk in to praise and worship halfway through 
So I knew that service would be halfway done and the guy that I liked was going to get up and talk. <laughs> you know? so, but I want to encourage you, don't do as I, like my kids, don't do as I do, do as I say. Right? No. <laughs> no, I want to encourage us, turn up the passion in our praise and our worship time. Have, the, have those songs. We, we put out every, every single week, you know, different songs that happen. Sometimes they're spontaneous songs that come and others are maybe a little bit more planned. But we always put whatever songs we ended up singing, we always put those on the Instagram afterwards so people could add that to the playlist. We also have a playlist on, on Apple Music and Spotify. You just look up Authentic Church, you'll find our playlist and it's a bunch of the songs that we're vibing on that we're doing. Just crank up the praise and worship. And when we gather together... Let's crank up the praise and worship. Mark 12, verse 30 says, Love the Lord your God, he's a Jesus talking, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He's saying all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That sounds pretty intense. That sounds like passionate praise and worship, encountering God. Psalms 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and all that's within me, I'm going to bless the Lord. That's that thing where you just go, you know what? I'm not giving him what I feel. I'm giving him what he deserves, right? In 2 Samuel um, chapter 6, it tells the story of David. And some of you may know this story. For those that don't, I'll give you just a quick backstory on it. So 2 Samuel chapter 6, King David. David, if you know the story of David and Goliath, it's this David. And so he ends up becoming king. And the first thing that he did when he became king is he went and got the Ark of God. If you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and they opened it up, that, that was the Ark of God and it housed, housed the presence of God. Well, the Israelites had done some things and they had sinned against God and so they ended up losing the Ark in a battle to the Philistines. Just picture them as the bad guys, okay? And so the Philistines get the Ark and David, when he becomes king, he's like, the first thing I'm gonna do is go up and, and I'm gonna go get the Ark. So he inquires of the Lord. He's like, Lord, should I do that? And the Lord's like, my son, yes. And so David gets launched out and he goes after it and he goes and gets the ark and once they get it they would bring the ark back and they kind of had a little hiccup there but they got the ark back on the, the on, on, on the shoulders of the guys and they brought it back to the uh, to, to into the city of Jerusalem and, and when the ark comes in David is going crazy they're all worshiping they're like we got the ark they're giving praise to God and he's dancing and he takes off his his outer garments robe and he's got his undershirt on and and in his pants and he's dancing and he's just worshiping just worshiping for God just giving God all the glory and his wife looks out the window and she's like oh my goodness now his wife was the daughter of the guy that he replaced as king okay and it says, so he's, he's worshiping, and he gets down to his undergarments, and he's worshiping there. And it says in verse 20, David returned home to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. That's exactly how she sounded. Basically, what are you doing? You're a disgrace. You're embarrassing us, right? That's what she's saying. He sa and David responds. He says, I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. I didn't do that for you, okay? I didn't do that for you or your dad or any of your household. I'm not doing it for these people either. I'm doing this for the Lord because he is worthy. And he began to dance and celebrate 
all the more. We give God what he deserves, not what we feel. I mean, singing, we sing loud. I love to sing and worship. Sometimes when I'm alone in my house, I'll just, you know, sometimes you just need to stir yourself up, like that psalm that we read. You just, Lord, I bless you. Oh, I bless you, Lord. Oh, you're worthy of praise, God. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. And you just begin to sing to him. And the atmosphere shifts. I loved it. Last week, there was a, there was a man that, uh, like David, he, he got down into his boxer shorts for baptisms. He was here. And, and he felt the call of God like, I need to be baptized right now. And so he wrapped a towel around himself. And he takes off his pants. And he had his boxers. And he's holding his towel around himself. And he went and he got baptized. He needed to go all in right there in that moment. And I'm like... Oh, God loves that. That's a passion. That's a passion for God. That's the kind of passion I'm talking about. So number two, passion in our praise and our worship. The third area that I feel like God's telling us to turn the passion up in is our passion for purity. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes to young Timothy, and he says this. He says, Timothy, I, I desire, therefore, that, that the men pray Everywhere, everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And in this scripture, you know, those are the three areas that Satan seems to attack men in the most. He wants to attack your purity. He wants to get you so angry you, you can't make a good decision, attaching your emotions. And he wants, you, he wants to attack your faith. He wants you to doubt. That doesn't just apply to men. That applies to all of us. But I love, I love how he reminds him. He says, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Everywhere you go, pray. Lift up holy hands. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you got right with God. If there's anything that you need to get right with God about, get right with God. And he cleanses you, and then you lift up your holy hands. It's amazing. The, it's the, the mystery that... The way that God is so loving and kind and forgiving, like, blows my mind. Like, when, I don't know about you, but when I, when I came to Christ, nobody had to remind me of the stupid stuff I did. Okay, I, I, that, that, that was replaying in my mind a lot. And some days I still battle with it, I'll be honest with you. Some days I still battle with that kind of stuff. Nobody had to replay it. And God is so forgiving. And you just go, it's, it's incredible. So, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Lord, will you forgive me? Done. All right, son, let's move along. And, and, and some of us, we, we want to like crucify ourselves. We want to like hang on the cross for our sins. And, and it's like, well, I, I, need, I, need, I probably need to walk out these 12 steps or I need to pay a penance for all the stuff I did. The reason that I didn't get that promotion was clearly because I had sin in my life. The reason that that happened was clearly because I screwed up. And now look, what an idiot, what a moron. That's what the devil wants to beat you up with. But that's not what God does. That's not what God does. You screw up and, and he's like, he, he doesn't say, oh no, you didn't screw up, son. Here's a, you know, here's a trophy for just participating. No, he's, he's, God's not into participation trophies, okay? You, you, if, if you screwed up, he's like, yeah, yeah, you, you did. But get back up because you're my son. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. So you get back up and you got forgiveness and it's like it never even happened. 
That's, that's, what the forgi- that's what forgiveness is like. If you can try to put it into some verbiage, some language to it, when you're forgiven of God, by God, it's as if it didn't even happen. New. I mean, it just blows your mind. That, that grace of God. And it's here for every single one of us. So lift up holy hands without wrath, without doubting, purity. So passion for prayer, passion for worship, Passion in our purity. I'm going to have, ask Hannah to come up and begin to play as we look to land the plane here today. The fourth area that I believe that God is wanting us to turn the passion up in is passion for people. Passion for people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You need to be passionate about what God is passionate about. God's passionate about people. Even the people you don't like. He loves them. People you can't stand. People in politics that you really can't stand. God loves them. I don't want to just live my life and go through the motions, not see the people that he places before us. Christianity was never meant to be this Christian country club where we just get together and sing some songs. Yay, awesome. I love deep Bible studies. I love studying the word of God. I love going deep. I love the Greek and the Hebrew. I love, that that stuff fills me. When I'm talking to somebody, that doesn't know Jesus, they don't care what it says in the Greek or the Hebrew. <laughs> what they want to know is, is there freedom from what I'm feeling? Is, is, is there forgiveness for what I've done? And that's what Christ is offering to you today. And that's what he wants us to be conduits of in our everyday lives. When we're going about, taking a moment to pause and ask somebody, hey man, can I pray for you about that, whatever's going on? Somebody shares a difficult time. Man, when somebody shares a difficult thing they're going through, even if it's really sad and hard, there's something inside of me that's like, I kind of get excited because I got the antidote in Jesus. And it's like, can I pray for you? I, I remember leaning into the awkwardness of that. And the first few times, is it, it is a little awkward, okay? The first few times that you step out of your comfort zone and you ask somebody, can I pray for you? You feel like an elephant on ice skates, okay? You, you feel nervous <laughs> and sweaty palms. What am I gonna say? And you know, you don't know if you need to get all like old King James and oh Lord, thou art so great, you know, or what, you know? So I, you know, cotton mouth. But the Lord's gonna give you the words. And it doesn't have to be a perfect prayer. There's no such thing as a perfect prayer. <laughs> doesn't have to sound eloquent. Just from your heart. And just pray for that person. Pray for them. Whatever's going on. We serve the God of the impossible. There's always hope with Jesus. There's always forgiveness with Jesus. There could still be healing in that person. There could still be hope in that marriage. There can still be salvation for that prodigal son or daughter. There could be freedom 
from addiction for that person. Just that simple prayer, just making ourselves available. God, I'm here. I'm all in for you. Lord, do what you want to do. Acts 20, 24 says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work that's been assigned by me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. It's wonderful grace. It doesn't make sense, but it's wonderful grace. Remember, a life not lived for others is not a life. You can have all the stuff and have all the things and do all the whatever. And the greatest joy is when we spend time pouring into others. The greatest thing you can do if you're having a bad day is to go and help somebody else, text somebody else, encourage somebody else. Uh, I ran a company and, uh, in, in, in years ago, and, and I've had all these sales guys that work for me. Sales can be a tough gig, man. It's a tough gig when you're trying to sell something nobody really wants. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they're like, uh, and, and there's, there's, there's an automatic, like, lack of a trust factor with people that are salespeople, right? It's like, I don't want to talk, nobody wants to talk to a salesperson, right? When I was in sales, I'm like, I don't even want to talk to a sales, I don't even want to talk to me, <laughs> you know? And so these sales guys, man, they, they would get so frustrated and so hurt, you know, and it was like emotional roller coaster. It's like they'd come in one day and they're like, yeah, and then the next you're like, you can do it, man. You can make it. They're like, you know, it's like, please don't quit. We got to make our quota. <laughs> right? and, and, and my piece of advice to them was always, I said, hey, I want you to go. I'll pay for it. I want you to go to Starbucks. You're going to open the door for a few people. Let them go ahead of you. And you're going to go get in line and you're going to buy yourself a drink and the person behind you. And it was just a little trick that would happen and they tapped in to what really is one of the principles in the kingdom of God that Jesus said is it's actually better when you give than when you receive it really is and when you get your eyes off of yourself and you focus on someone else it's amazing how things shift it's like if you're battling depression and anxiety one of the best things you can do I honestly believe this is start serving serving the church serving your community serve your family Serve people on the job. And even have fun with it. Serving people that drive you crazy. Begin to have fun with it. <laughs> I hate this person. <laughs> right, you know. But I'm going to be nice to them in Jesus' name. You know, you're like, a <laughs> have fun with it, man. You know, and it was funny is you start to have fun with it and you kind of laugh like we just laughed right there. You know, you kind of laugh. It's funny how that stuff just kind of falls off you. It's like, man, crazy. She's crazy. He's crazy. Whatever, you know. And it's a shift. You begin to shift. Focus, focusing on others. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And, uh, and Jesus, he, he speaks to the churches and he kind of does roll call. Kind of begins to measure where they're at. And he shares some stuff with us. And in Revelation uh, 2, verse 4 through 5, he says, uh, I actually have something against you that I want to bring up. He says, I'm, I'm, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. He says, I want you to consider how far that you've actually fallen where you used to be. Consider how far you've fallen. He doesn't just leave them there. He says, okay, now that you've considered it, I want you to repent and do the things you did at first. 
Go back to those first loves. But here's the warning. He says, if you do not repent, I will come to you and I'll remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, God is going to accomplish his will on earth. He's graced you with a talent, gifting, an ability, a calling, resources. But if you're going to choose not to use it in the capacity that he's leading you to use it in, he's going to raise up somebody else with talents and giftings and resources to do what he asked you to do. At the end of life, even for Christians, you're going to go and you're going to stand before the Lord. He's going to take a look at what we did with what he's given into us. My prayer is that your lampstand is going to be burning bright. That you're going to, you're going to do all that God's called you to do. That you're going to be a good steward of all the talents and giftings and resources that he's put in your hand. Uh, in the 1980s, there's a story that was told of a missionary in Rwanda, Africa. And uh, he was ministering in the middle of the chaos and all the tribal wars and different things that were happening. If you've ever seen the movie Hotel Rwanda, that gives you just a little bit of a glimpse into this guy's life. But uh, there's, a, there's, there's Christians that are being murdered for their faith. And, and this missionary, he would strengthen himself in the Lord with a declaration that he wrote. And people would later, they found this taped to his shaving mirror. And I pray that just as it strengthened him and his boldness for Christ, I pray that it would strengthen you. But I'm just going to read this uh, for you today. It's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't back down, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need eminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk by patience, lift by prayer, and I labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. But my guide's reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and work until he stops me and when he comes for me and comes for his own he's going to have no problem recognizing me my banner will be clear the man who wrote that ended up becoming a martyr for Christ gave his all I'm pleading with you today 
If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. Consider the ramifications of what you believe. Consider the ramifications. There was really a man named Jesus. Born 2,000 years ago. He really lived. In fact, we, we celebrated New Year's in 2021 based on the life that this guy lived. The fact that we're still talking about him 2,000 years later tells you he was probably somebody pretty special. And he really lived. And man, for three and a half years, when he launched his public ministry, turned the world upside down. And then he transferred all of that authority to those disciples who were bold enough to say yes to God. They were bold enough to say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. They made mistakes. When he went to the cross, they scattered. Then he rose from the dead and nobody was there to greet him. It was like they were surprised that he actually did what he said he was going to do three days later. And despite all their shortcomings, despite all their failures, despite all their mishaps, where it seemed like, man, we just missed the timing on that. I didn't get that. I got, despite all of that, he chose to use them. And they changed history. And he's choosing to use you. He's using all of us. My question is, are you ready to go all in for him? Are you ready to give, if you've not given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you. What that means is there is an aspect of your life that will never be fulfilled outside of God. And, and, and you've probably known it. you felt it. I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. I still feel this God-sized hole. That hole will always be there until you give your life fully to Jesus. The life of surrender. And maybe you've given your life to Jesus and it's like, cool, I got my ticket to ride card. I got my get out of jail free card. That's awesome. Now, he's handing you the baton. He's saying, will you go all in? Will you develop a passion for prayer? Will you be passionate in your praise and worship, not based on how you feel, but because he's worthy? Will you be passionate in your purity, in your drive? Will you be pure-hearted for the things of God? And will you be passionate about what he's passionate about? People, loving God, loving people, living authentic. Come on, church. He's calling us to another level. I'm going to have you all just stand with me, and we're going to pray. I'm going to have Kara come up and sing this out over us. We're going to join in worship today. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to have the prayer team come and join me up here at the front. If you need prayer for anything today, I would be so honored to pray with you. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I need to... You're preaching to me, man. I want to go all in. I just want you to get out of your seat as we sing this song. Just get out of your seat. Come forward. We have prayer team on both sides of, of the, the, the stage here. We'd be honored to pray with you. Jesus is real. He's alive. And he wants to touch your life. And if you're here today and you have a prayer need, we want to be in agreement with you. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If you're believing for a job, we're going to believe with you. Let's pray that in. If you're believing for a a son or daughter to come back, let's believe with you. If you're wondering, what am I going to do in this relationship, let's come. If you're, if you're saying, I want to go all in with Jesus in my relationship and my marriage or my, my dating relationship, we want to believe with you. If you need healing, deliverance, anxiety, anything, any prayer need that you have, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And we want to pray with you. We're going to pray with you. So I want to pray a prayer for us right now of salvation. 
And if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, this is your prayer. This is your time to pray it from a, a grateful heart. I'm going to lead you in prayer. It's super simple. You just repeat after me. Kind of like when a guy gets up and officiates a wedding. You have the bride and groom and they share the vows and they repeat after the officiant. That's kind of what we're going to do in this moment. I'm just going to give some words to what's happening in your heart. We're just going to say this together. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life today. I believe that you're the son of God. That you lived, died, and rose again. I, see, I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. So come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Wash me. Cleanse me. Fill me. Use me. And let me never be the same again. And fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. And from this day forward, I will walk in your ways all the days of my life and dwell in your house forever. Forever. Come on, if you prayed that prayer today from a grateful heart, from a sincere heart, I believe that you've been born again. His forgiveness is for you. I believe your life's never gonna be the same again. Let's praise and worship and let's give the King of Kings what he's due in this moment. If you need prayer for anything, come forward while, while worship's going on. We'd be so blessed to pray with you. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.